Good afternoon, everyone. This is Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM, Northampton, on the air and live streaming at valleyfreeradio.org. And I'm Amy Landau, and you're listening to Under the Surface. Thanks for joining me. My guest for today is Tom Knight, a multi-talented musician, puppeteer, and videographer based right here in Northampton. I've been lucky enough to hear him perform his music live on more than one occasion. Tom sings and plays guitar as well as a variety of other instruments. I'll have to find out what they are. And I know he composes a lot of original music for both his musical performances and his children's puppet shows. And speaking of his puppet shows, I got a glimpse of one of them way back on first night in Northampton when I walked into a jam-packed room and saw Tom singing a song about the solar system with an actual model of the solar system itself rotating on his head while he sang. It was outrageous and fun. That's when I knew that Tom was a truly unique performer and artist. And what impresses me most about Tom, too, is that he is a full-time artist, which is, to my mind, the dream career. His business, from what I can see, is all about doing what he loves to do, and that's a rare thing. So, welcome to Under the Surface, Tom. Thanks, Amy. It's great to be here. Thanks for joining me. So, how did you get started in all, in all this? What was your first love, artistically speaking? Was it music, or puppeteering, or video, or something else? Well, it all started really with music. Um, I've been, you know, I remember when I was like in third grade or so, I I remember writing a song on the way to school. Um, so music was kind of, kind of always in my head and kind of always trying to get out. Um, so from a young age, I, I wanted to, uh, I knew I wanted to write music and, and perform, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have these actual memories of these songs coming to your head? Yeah, you I do. I do. And the, the trouble is when I was in third grade uh, making up a song, I had no way to rem- remember it. Uh-huh. Um, so that song is gone. <laughs> oh, I bet you wish you could get that back. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I'm sure it wouldn't have been very good. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, from an early age, I was yeah. writing. Yeah. And I read in your online bio that you started off working with preschoolers as an assistant teacher in Ithaca back in the mid 80s. How did that experience turn into a career for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, um, I was uh, working at a Montessori school with preschoolers. That's right. And uh, the teacher found out that I played a dulcimer, which was an Appalachian dulcimer, which is, um, I'm not sure if your listeners know what that is. But um, the teacher found out I played that and she asked me to come and play songs for the kids. So I did. And... um, and I played some of my songs, and I I didn't actually realize at that time that my songs were would be appealing to kids. Uh-huh. And then it turned out they were. And then what happened was there was a puppeteer who worked at the school, and she asked me to do music for the puppet shows that she was creating. And then there was sort of this transformative moment um, that happened where um, I was trying to figure out how to make a living as a musician, and I was doing all different kinds of things, like... Oh, I was in like a pickup band for at a contra dance, and I went to a farmer's market and kind of passed a hat, and I played in a cafe. And when I played in the cafe, I think I got like ten dollars plus dinner, you know, mm-hmm. for like two hours of work. Um, so that that's not exactly a living, you know. But mm-hmm. then I did this uh, puppet show, playing music for this puppet show one day, and was this when you were living in California? This was when I was in Ithaca, New York. Oh, in Ithaca, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some sometime in the uh, late eighties, and we had rented a room to do this puppet show that the fire code said the the limit was fifty people, but 
um, like 300 people showed up to see the show. And so wow. we had to like tell them to come back. We added a, a second show. And, and then that's when I realized it's like, oh, you can actually make a living doing music um, if, you know, for puppet shows for kids. And that was a big aha moment. How, why, how, how did you get such a huge crowd that day? Well, I think part of it had to do with the fact that um, there was a real need for quality children's entertainment mm -hmm. in Ithaca at that time, and there was nothing else really happening. And there's a lot of parents who care about their kids' education and uh, access to cultural activities, mm -hmm. and, and uh, we were we were uh, somehow got a reputation. I think we got a picture in the paper or something. Oh. So, um, so that was enough to get a, a good crowd. So yeah. you hit on something at the right time in the right place. Yes. Wow. And yeah, a dulcimer is kind of a, a stringed instrument, right? I kind of have an image in my mind of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. The uh, the one that most people know is kind of like has an hourglass shape. Yeah. And it's, you play it on your lap. It's got four strings and there's some drones and you kind right. of strum away at it. Um, and it's very simple to play the... The way you tune it, you can't really play a wrong note, which uh -huh. um, is kind of nice. So for that first puppet show that you did in Ithaca, did you uh, you were collaborating with other people on that? Yes. There were, I think, four of us in this group. So I was just, I was a musician, and then there were like two puppeteers, and then there was another musician as well, if I recall oh, correctly. Oh, so you weren't actually uh, moving a puppet around on that? Yeah, no, it... I was mainly a musician working with puppeteers for a long time, and it wasn't until... Um, somewhere like 98 or something when I had been working with another puppeteer where um, I'm skipping ahead here. Um, That's okay. That, um, yeah, so so for about seven years, I worked with a puppeteer named Elizabeth McMahon. Mm -hmm. We were called the Peanut Butter and Jelly Puppeteers. Mm -hmm. And um, we I created a lot of songs and we created a lot of puppet shows uh, during that time. It was a really uh, fertile time. Mm -hmm. um, but then we kind of had creative differences in the end and she really wanted to go solo. And then, um, I was forced to decide. And at that point I hadn't really done much with puppets. It was mainly just music, except I'd been, you know, with her cre creating the puppet shows all this time, but I hadn't done much actual puppetry. Um, so then, then I decided that I wanted to continue puppetry, but I had to figure out how to do it on my own. Yeah. And uh, would you mind going into what the creative differences were? I'm curious. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, I've I've actually worked with a lot of different... I've collaborated with a lot of different people, and it's it's hard to find somebody that it's a good match for a long time that you mm -hmm. kind of both get what you need. Um, mm -hmm. In this case, what happened was um, Elizabeth started getting more involved in the music part of the production. She mm -hmm. started writing her own songs, which mm -hmm. was great. Mm -hmm. um, and I started getting more interested and involved in the in the in the, how the puppets are made. Mm -hmm. And so I basically started having a lot of opinions about... And, and then initially, we had a clear division of labor that I was the musician, she was the puppeteer. I see. And But then her her kind of uh, creativity kind of crossed over into my area. And, and I, my, my creativity crossed into her area. But I see. in the end, I think she felt like... She just wanted to make her own puppets and not have not hear any opinions from me. And I had a lot of opinions about what the puppets should look like and how mm -hmm. they should move and what color fabrics they should be. And mm -hmm. she didn't really want to hear that from mm -hmm. me. So it's like, forget it. I'm just going to do my own mm -hmm. thing. You yeah. Know? So you kind of migrated into each other's areas and then yeah. you developed your own style. Yeah. 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 And that, then then I, I, I kind of embarked on this time of like trying to figure out how to how to be a puppeteer. 
and a musician mm-hmm. and create a, a new show. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a little bit of, it was kind of a scary time actually because at that point I had been working full time with Elizabeth in the peanut butter and jelly puppeteers and I had to figure out like how to take some of the skills and kind of create a new a new thing to new product to sell a new show and, to and sell. you were going solo going so solo yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and with elizabeth we'd already always made the music live so um since i only have two hands there wasn't any way to play guitar and operate mm-hmm. the puppet at the same time mm-hmm. um so i i i decided to use backup tracks um mm-hmm. which were my own uh, my own music oh and, that's a good idea yeah so it's it's my own songs um without the vocals and then i sing the vocals live Mm-hmm. and uh, then I can operate the puppets and sing. Uh-huh. That's yeah. clever. Yeah. Yeah, and you, so you mentioned the music, and uh, how about a little... Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about the type of music you perform? So this is aside from the puppeteering. Yes. Well, I mean, the music and the puppets are, are really related because in in the current show I'm doing, it's a very musical show, and almost every piece is a song. Mm-hmm. Um, so... One nice thing about doing music for kids is that that I I'm kind of um, have complete freedom over the genre. You know, it's not it, it's I can do like country or rock and roll or mm-hmm. funk or 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 folk or whatever. But so long as the lyrics are something that kids can understand, then it becomes kids' music. So I really appreciate the the freedom to mm-hmm. to this to write and perform in many different styles of music, and I do. Um, but I suppose it all st- a lot of it started with the guitar, and it's so it's very there. M- much of my original, uh, most of my initial songs were more in the kind of folk guitar style, mm-hmm. right? So it, in that um, medium with puppeteering, you can even you can veer from different musical genres even within one puppet show. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. Because because my puppet show is built on short uh, three to five minute pieces mm-hmm. so it's um yeah it's not like a long 40 minute show mm-hmm. of you know snow white and the seven dwarfs or little red riding hood or something it's it's a lot of short little pieces which is good for the attention spans of young kids and so the music that you do for adults then is mm-hmm. more of a folk style is that how you, we're going to get to hear it pretty soon <laughs> <laughs> um well i've um i a lot of the music i've done for adults is is uh, more in the folk style too yeah but i i like to be able to to try different try on different styles mm-hmm. as well when i can mm-hmm. yeah um i i used to be in a i used to be in a swing band too so i i did some kind of uh like jazz swing kind of tunes as well mm-hmm. which is a fun way to write and play mm-hmm. yeah what kind of music are you focused on right now for adults um Hmm. Well, uh, one thing is I'm in a um, I'm in a band called River Rhapsody oh, right now. Right. Yeah. And uh, I've been really enjoying playing with them. It's hard to describe our style, but I suppose it's sort of folk, pop, rock, blues, <laughs> something mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. we're really focusing on original tunes. Mm-hmm. So um, um Are you working on writing music collaboratively then? The um a little bit. Um we I'd like to do more of that. Mm-hmm. Um the um the leader of the band is Eric Phelps, and um, he's written many, many songs, um, as as I have. Um, but we've kind of collaborated um, kind of accidentally um, on some songwriting. He he brought a song to the band um, called You've Got Away, um, which I really liked the song. Um, but then I thought it's like I had some new ideas for lyrics to that song, so I took it home 
and uh, wrote some new lyrics to song and song and brought it back to him and and he was uh, gracious enough to um to allow the band to hear the song with the new lyrics and then it turned mm-hmm. out the band liked the new lyrics and then we so now so we ended up um you know so it, it in the end he wrote the music i wrote the lyrics but um it happened sort of the lyrics happened after the fact mm-hmm. yeah that's great yeah and so you're also a videographer can you right. maybe touch on that just for a moment yeah, well, I initially started doing video work um, because um, I wanted to... I, I made a music video uh, for this one of my songs called The Garbage Monster, and this was in Ithaca, and I hired a production company to make the video, but I wanted to try and save a little money and see if I could edit it myself. Mm-hmm. And so then I, I bought editing software called Final Cut Pro, and started to learn how to use it and i did the initial edit um which took a long time but it was a really um educational process so so i it was and that was a video for a puppet show the garbage it it was a video it was actually a video for a music video it was a music video Mm -hmm. for so it was a a a video based on a song yeah Mm -hmm. and 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 then um at the same time, I was working on this other music video called The Elephant's Lullaby, mm-hmm. um, which is animated, and that's got over 2 million views on YouTube, actually. Wow. So that's awesome. So if you want to look yeah. for The Elephant's Lullaby Well, we're going to get Knight, to hear that later. We'll get to hear yeah. it, yes. Yeah. So as I mentioned in my intro, I'm really impressed that you've managed to make it as a full-time artist and you know to work as a full-time artist. And you figured out how to do the things you love to support yourself at the same time with your artist, your full-time business. But I also know that you do a spectrum of different things, as we just talked about, you know, that it also include, from what I understand, playing music at weddings, sometimes performing puppet shows at kids' birthdays. And I'm wondering, do you feel that there's a distinction between what you're doing for business and what you're doing for the sheer love of it? Or is there overlap? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, A musician friend of mine once uh, talked about music and making money and his his uh, assessment was that um, the the things that are the most fun are the things that um, are the pay the that they pay the lowest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, seems like that. It it can be true. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to find that sweet spot um, where I can do something that is feels creative, but it also also pays mm-hmm. um, because many times the the things that pay the best aren't uh, don't require as much creativity. Mm-hmm. Maybe some skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, what was your question again? Yeah, I'm just wondering if you sometimes feel like, okay, now I'm doing this just for the money versus now I'm doing this, yes, it's for the money, but I love doing it. Or if you feel there's yeah. sort of an overlap. I mean, do you, you know, kind of categorize things that way? Yeah, it's interesting because some I, I can't always tell until it or until it happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> because sometimes, I mean, so I also do like videography for weddings. Um and sometimes I think maybe that won't be very much fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but then maybe I do have fun. Maybe it's like maybe I, f- I meet the couple and I really like them. And yeah. I like that, you know, it's like, oh, this is actually a fun party. And I'm kind of glad I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I but I, I don't really know until I get there. And that sometimes happens with uh, birthday parties, too. I do puppet shows for birthday parties. Mm-hmm. And um Sometimes, sometimes those are hard, mm-hmm. and but sometimes they're really fun. And it, it, it are they hard because you have to deal with managing the kids sometimes? Uh, sometimes. I mean, 
honestly, the the main difference between a fun birthday party and a a boring one or a, a, a difficult one, it has to do with the fact of whether the parents are kind of happy to have me there or not. Oh. Or it's like sometimes I get people who hire me who don't know who I am, and they're like, "We want a puppet show for the birthday party," and that's all they know. Mm-hmm. And so there's no real connection. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you know, I feel like I'm just kind of like the caterer or or, or something. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, go set up over there, be ready in you know half an hour or whatever, mm-hmm. and here's your check. And you know, it, it's kind of it's it feels more like a transaction. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if the parents are, you know, I, I work as hard as I can to try and make the kids have fun. But if the parents are kind of in back drink, you know, sipping on wine and, and chatting, um, it's very hard to keep the kids engaged mm-hmm. um, because they're making noise and the kids are watching the, you know, the kids, get, the kids basically get a sense like this is not very important. And oh, they're um, getting that message from the grownups. Yeah. Well, just by the, if the grownups aren't really paying attention right. and, you know, but if but then there's ones where there's like. You know, some some people uh, there's some people think I'm famous. You know, it's like Tom Knight's coming. Tom. You are kind of famous in this area. Well, that's yeah. true. It's true. Some people, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's so many times when I meet um, families with young kids, and the, and the parents go, "Oh, you know," they talk to the kids. It's like, "Oh, look, do you know what that is? That's Tom Knight. <laughs> we listen to him in the car. Oh my gosh! Wow. You know, and the kid yeah. is like. Because they already listen to your music. They well, have one of your CDs or something like that. Well, that's the amazing thing about being a recording artist like this. And and I guess especially recording for kids is that, you know, I, I hear from families all the time that they play my music like every night before the kids go to bed yeah. or like every day, you know. So I am like a presence in their lives, you know, on a on a daily basis. And I don't I don't know until they tell me, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So. You know, can you imagine if you, well, whatever, If it, it doesn't matter who it is, but if you're playing, well, I don't know, Joni Mitchell or something every day, and then you actually meet Joni Mitchell, it's pretty special. So, yeah. so I, <laughs> the fact that you're the voice they hear before they fall asleep at night, and you know, yeah. that, that does mean a lot. It does, and it, it's kind of a big responsibility, actually, you mm-hmm. know, that I have to think is like, are these words that I want kids to be, you know, get in their head, mm-hmm. you know, or the parents? And I think, I think parents, once they, you know, listen to my songs that they they have that they kind of have to trust me that like oh mm-hmm. this is actually good good for my kids to to be hearing over and over and it's good for them too i mean that's uh-huh. the other thing i think about is i want to make sure that the parents uh like the music too mm-hmm. because they're going to hear it just as much as the kids. that's a good point do you yeah. think about that for the puppet shows also like oh, do you want to sure. engage the adults well i don't necessarily want to engage them but i i mean not in the same way but right. i want them to be entertained and um, appreciate what I'm doing and mm-hmm. not because there's so many there's so much entertainment for kids that's um, really painful to, to listen to or, or watch as an adult yeah it's just like ah what you know and kids might like it but it's um, you know that I'm glad you brought that up because I went to see a movie with my nieces an animated movie yeah. and I was shocked by the level of violence in it uh-huh. even though it was nothing for you know the kids mm-hmm. and even their my you know their parents my brother and his wife and mm-hmm. for me it was like I don't know it wasn't that the whole movie was violent yeah. and of course it was animated but yeah. just it was so gratuitously you know horrible like yeah. it like left this image in my head I didn't want you know so so do you th- so do you think about that a lot then in the song the music you create and the, Absol- the puppets, absolutely puppet shows? yeah 
Yeah, I I really want to make sure that yeah I, that I believe in it. I mean, when I when I write my songs or work on my shows, I I kind of um, just really kind of. I mean, there's the creative process, but then there's the process where you go back and look at what you've made, kind of like the critic the critic part, and and there is a kind of a pass where I make where I kind of try and think it's like, well, is, is this really what I want to say, and mm-hmm. how is this going to arrive? Mm-hmm. And sometimes I also share it with other friends who are um, writers as well, and and mm-hmm. see what they think. And sometimes they see things that I don't I don't anticipate, mm-hmm. or it's like. Um, yeah, they, they'll just see it because I, I can't necessarily anticipate how everybody's going to view it. But yeah, um, or did you feel it. like that that evolved that sensitivity to like, you know, feeling this responsibility for what you're producing for children? Yeah, it it did. And I think it um, as I realized more and more how people are actually using the music that that made me feel the more of a sense of responsibility. I mean, from the very beginning, I was trying to create something that I thought was the, the highest quality I could. But but just also thinking about the kind of the messages, think, being more serious about the messages behind it, um, that kind of evolved over time. Mm-hmm. And how do you develop the confidence to pursue your art as a business? How did you develop it? I mean, did you ever have a period of self-doubt? Do you ever have self-doubt now? I'm just wondering, you know, was there ever a time when you thought, I'd better just get the day job with benefits or yes. stay in teaching or something like that? Well, I have, I have, I have been there. Um, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I've thought about that. Well, the, the my story of kind of becoming full time artist is is a good one, and I think it's um, it might be inspiration to other people. Is that mm-hmm. it happened really gradually, um, and that I had at the time I kind of decided to really kind of work on puppetry full time. I had a, a part time job. Uh, working at a as an after school teacher at a at an elementary school in um, in Ithaca, so I was basically working like th- uh, like two thirty to five thirty in the afternoon on weekdays, and and then that that worked out well because it was allowing me to do like shows mm-hmm. at schools um, during the you know during the morning. Um, but what happened at that time was I just started getting more and more work as a puppeteer, and. I it was actually the the puppeteering was kind of getting in the way of of <laughs> doing my part time job uh-huh. and then my part time job they I had been getting some health benefits and they said oh well we're going to cut your health benefits so it, it kind of became it was just kind of a no brainer it's like you know what um, I'm making more money doing this other thing so mm-hmm. and this so you had a gradual shift in it a was way. it was very gradual mm-hmm. yeah. Is that what you think is 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 that what you would recommend to other people who want, would want to go off on their own and start a business? Uh, I do because I mean, unless you're you know you have a spouse who's supporting you or something, um, mm-hmm. it's I think it is good to do do it gradually. And also, I was in a situation at that time where my living expenses were very low, um, so I just didn't need to make much money to to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So that was yeah it it wasn't it wasn't a big leap it was just a it was just a very obvious choice at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so I want to shift gears for a minute and I know you've recently got into writing and performing political songs. Yeah. So what's the Stand and Fight project? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for asking about that. Um well, uh Donald Trump got elected. <laughs> yes, yes, unfortunately. Yes. And um and literally a lot of my there was a, a lot of people that I know were 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 really actually terrified about mm-hmm. the 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 what might happen 
And, and of course, a lot of those things have ended up coming to pass, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Um, but it it felt like I it, I basically felt like I had to do something, and um, here I am, a, an, a, a songwriter and a videographer. It's like you know what I actually have a voice, and I have I have some tools and skills to 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 do something. I mean, of course, protesting or writing letters or phone calls or whatever, that's all, that's all good. But I, and uh, that's all valuable, but I kind of like thought, well, maybe I can do something that's uniquely mine. uh, That's my skill as an artist. And so, so I started writing this song called Stand and Fight. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that was one of the most difficult songs I've ever written. um, Because I, (laughs) I, and I ended up doing it like four different, literally four different sets of lyrics and melodies. Uh It's like, the the stand and fight idea was there, but the first the very first version I was just basically ridiculing Trump, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is easy to do. Uh, but I shared that with my girlfriend um, Amy, also named Amy, and uh, she 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 didn't she thought I could do better. <laughs> and yeah. um, and it's like and her question was like, well, what do you want to do with this song? And I, I was kind of like, well, I want to inspire people and rally people and. Um, and it's like, well, that that song that I wrote doesn't doesn't do those things. Hmm. So, um, so that was kind of more challenging. It's like, well, what do, what do I really want to say about, um, w- you know, standing up and fighting mm-hmm. and resisting uh, th- these uh, possible things? So anyway, so I I kind of became politicized um, with the election of Trump. And before that, honestly, I, I didn't really, I hadn't really thought a whole lot about politics and, mm-hmm. um, I hadn't really written much political, but I just felt like I couldn't really ignore what was going on. Mm-hmm. So this was a new thing for you. It was kind of a leap in a way. It was a leap. Yeah. And, um, you know, the other thing about the other funny thing about writing a political song is that Everybody has an opinion about it. Um, everybody, <laughs> they, about the song? About the song. They'll yeah. want to argue with you uh-huh. or something. It's oh, like, really? Well, if I if I write a song about, you know, alligators or, or you know, alligators uh, dancing or whatever, people don't <laughs> tell me I shouldn't, you know, I should do it differently or something. Uh, you know, but if I write a song about, um, you know, the rights the rights that are under threat or something. Or right. I, I have another song about um, carbon tax and mm-hmm. people love thoughts and opinions about that and so it was a little i was a little surprised that it's like oh yeah this is this actually hits people on a level that they might want to argue with me so some people have been critical some people have been praising yes Mm -hmm. yeah and it's mostly praise and and honestly i've gotten some feedback from people like thank you thank you for writing this song Mm -hmm. which that's unusual too i I don't i don't get that with my kids songs People mm-hmm. don't thank me for writing the song. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it's like thank you for putting this out there in uh-huh. the world. Like this is, uh, you know, this is an important thing that uh, needs to be said. Yeah. So that's kind of gratifying. Uh huh. Is it usually the same thing when people are responding in a critical way? Is it the same thing that they're talking about that sort of hits them the wrong way? Um, well, it depends. I mean, so I I wrote one song recently um, called "Rosy Shade of Pink." Which I looked. Is, I listened to that. Did you that? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And. Um, that's kind of about about racism basically and about what it's like to be a white person and see kind of the racism that's um that's happening really in Mm -hmm. our administration with the trump administration but um you know somebody on facebook wrote something about how 
basically saying, basically arguing with my my whole life, basically basically kind of going with the idea that um, there are a lot of people of color, say in the inner cities or in Mexico or whatever, that are a threat to us, that are a danger to us. And mm-hmm. of course we need to protect ourselves from, mm-hmm. from those, you know, the quote, those people. That was mm-hmm. the, and um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's on the, it's more on the conservative side that you're getting the flack then, or in maybe it's case, all on that side. Yeah. Well, yeah. with, with stand up fight, um, I actually got some thoughts from some, some of my friends. It's like, oh, this is like too strong or, t- you know, it's like, do we, you know, some people are not going to like this so maybe we shouldn't say it. They personally agreed with it, but it's like, I don't think that, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know if it's, we should put this out because some people might be offended. Did they think like it that. was advocating violence? In some no, way? no, no, mm-hmm. no, but just kind of deciding what, you know, um, how you want, how you want to, mm-hmm. you know, stand. And I had to think right. about that a little bit myself, honestly, that, you know, if I come out kind of against Trump, is that going to affect my my business? You know, mm-hmm. um, so far I haven't noticed anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Luckily, you're in a pretty left wing dominated yeah environment. But yeah. yeah, you are taking a risk with doing that, aren't you? Yeah. In a way, it, it could be. It could be. You know, uh-huh. if if this was a very conservative, you right? Know, but I don't know. That I don't think very he many would conservative Trump supporters are, are going to hire me for a puppet show. That's true. <laughs> I, I <don't laughs> Maybe they're sort of self-sorting. <laughs> Maybe so. Well, I think this is a good time to play that song, to play Stand and Fight. Um, Great. So let's check it out. The Prince of Lies just got elected All my friends are terrified They say freedom is unprotected And we cannot let it die Don't get distracted By all the tweeting We've got better things to do You and I We could be leading It's time to act Speak what's true Stand and fight Stand and fight Don't let fear rule our lives Stand and fight In our hearts, in our towns Make some room for new relations Don't build a wall, tear it down Stand and fight, stand and fight Don't let hate rule our lives Stand and fight, stand and fight Come together change abortion rights islamophobia stand and fight racism children's lives education stand and fight decent wages health care for all lgbtq stand and fight women's safety workers rights anti-semitism stand and fight What kind of nation do we want to be? Difference is our strength, not our enemy. We're at the crossroads in our history. Keep your eyes on the prize, our true destiny. 
a beacon, a source of love, truth and light. We need your voice to be speaking. Stand with your neighbor. Stand and fight. Stand and fight. Stand and fight. Let changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And we're back. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just joining us, welcome. This is Under the Surface on Valley Free Radio, WXOJ Northampton at 103.3 FM. And my guest today is Tom Knight, musician, puppeteer, and videographer extraordinaire based right here in Northampton. And we just heard one of his original songs, Stand and Fight, which he wrote a week before Trump's inauguration. Isn't that right, Tom? Well, um, that's when it came out. Yes, that's when it published. It, um, oh, that's when it, you released it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it was a very, uh, we were scrambling to, to get that out before that. Yes. Yeah. And it still resonates now more than ever. So, um, yeah. yeah, I want to ask you, do you want to tell us a little bit more about who was involved in that song? Yeah, um, that was um, uh, members of my band, River Rhapsody, um, Eric Phelps and David Waldfogel were both playing different guitars. Um, Tammy Stiles was uh, singing along with Rithia Lee and uh, Gordon Kramer sang a little bit on there and um, Anna Sobel is not in the band but she um, she played uh, drums um, the uh, djembe and uh, Brian Bender was the uh, engineer mm-hmm. and we uh, recorded that at his studio mm-hmm. in, um, in uh, where is that? <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I forget. I forget where it is, but it's in uh, it's in Massachusetts, right? Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you: Do you believe that art and music, in this case, has the power to create political change? Well, you know, there is a long history of music being used for for social change, Um, especially thinking about the '60s and uh, people like Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie, right? And Music can be used in many ways. I mean, partly it, it's a way for people to kind of come together and uh, kind of find their common ground. Um, I, I don't know that music can like change people's minds. Mm-hmm. Um, it might. It might in some cases. But I, I think it's, it's mainly a kind of a way to, to unify people and, and also kind of present ideas in a kind of a more emotional, deeper way mm-hmm. than than having an argument. But, yeah. you know, what What I try to do with my lyrics is kind of uh, distill, like, what's what's the key, what's the, what's the key piece here? Um, and that's what you can do with poetry. You can kind of take 
you know, different ideas and, and, and really like, well, what's, what's the key thing? What's the most important thing? And, um, and that's what I try to do with my lyrics. So, um, so, so what was the key thing for this song <laughs> since you brought that up? Uh, um, well, I think different verses has kind of had key things, but mm-hmm. I was trying to find like, what are the, what are the things that I, I felt most concerned about that, that kind of Trump was, was bringing in mm-hmm. and you know, the, the part about the wall and, right. and, um, which I suppose a lot of it's kind of a, about that is just, um, you know, coming together and uh, a lot of Trump's uh, rhetoric seems to be about divisiveness and kind of having us and them. And, mm-hmm. and, um, but, but I wanted to kind of say like, you know what, we're, this is, we're all in this together. And, um, um, and the, yeah, we're, we're all in this together and the, the kind of disenfranchised, mm-hmm. the, um, um, people of color and, and so on are just as much a part of this country as everybody as everybody else. Right. Yeah. And sort of just even thinking, who are we? Like the assumption that we are uh, the dominant culture versus yeah. that we are a multiplicity of people right. from all different backgrounds. Yeah. And, and, and also just the fact that, um, that we don't, that, that I wanted to um, think about not uh, just, just fighting against th- places where that where our our rights might be taken away mm-hmm. and it, which would seem like a real threat at that time mm-hmm. um the things that that i personally have come to take for granted we could lose mm-hmm. um and let's let's not go quietly if that happens mm-hmm. yeah and yeah so and i think it's interesting what you said about how music adds a different dimension because i i was watching the greenfield city council meeting that was like a week or two ago about okay. um, safe cities and it got rejected but there was one woman who came up to testify and she just sang in this beautiful voice mm-hmm. you know about sort of something about following your soul and you know mm-hmm. it moved me so much i could still kind of hear the echo of her voice the next day but unfortunately i I guess it didn't move the hmm. the council members. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, people hear music on a different hear music in a different way than than just normal speech. And right. I think it's kind of fascinating that that people who like I just uh, I watched a documentary about Glenn Campbell who actually died recently, but mm-hmm. he had um, Alzheimer's, and mm-hmm. he was in a sort of situation where he he didn't like recognize people and he didn't like mm-hmm. know what town he was. They didn't know when his birthday was. He couldn't name the president. No, there were a lot of th- ways his mind was not working. Right. But he could sing songs and play guitar and perfectly his own music, his own music. Yeah. yeah. And he could do all these, you know, really amazing guitar solos. He, he, he was, all the music was all there in his, in his brain. And, and I, I think that's true. Um, th- th- there's other examples of, of people who, aren't able to speak very well. Right. They've somehow, um, uh, there's some kind of brain um, function that's not working, but they can they can sing songs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, music is just so powerful. I mean, I've been at some of these outdoor festivals lately, at Mill Pond Live and um, Celebrate Holyoke the other day. And I love watching like little toddlers dancing. And it just reminds me how natural it is to move your body to music. And yeah. they're really good. You know, <laughs> they're sort of curious, like they're looking at things like playing in this sort of dusty patch or whatever, yeah. and still noticing like rocks, but they're also jiggling around to the music at the same time. Yeah, that's that's one 
one thing that's really fun about doing music for kids is um, they're not self-conscious and they're, yeah. they're, they're young enough that they're not self-conscious. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just the natural state, you know, and not only about dancing, but also about singing. Right. Um, at, at some point when, when we, we start to grow up, people might, you know, adults might say, don't sing, you're off key or you're not doing it right or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then people, that can kind of change people's lives in, in terms of their relation to music. It's like they get the idea that they can't sing or they shouldn't sing and then they don't, you yeah. know, and that's, they never do again, um, maybe um, in public, right. you know, which is, which is sad. But kids luckily, um, you know, we're talking about two or three year olds or whatever. They, nobody's told them not to sing. Nobody's told them they can't sing and mm-hmm. then they do. Yeah. And um, they're, they're unrestrained and 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 that's really good and, yeah. and that's one thing that I that I I I like to I'd like to encourage if I can is just for people to really you know embrace their creativity and 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 not be scared of doing it wrong or being off key or not dancing correctly or something. Yeah, I mean since I've come to this area I joined a chorus and there's just like I mean I'm not in it right now cuz it finished for the season but mm-hmm. I hadn't done that since like 6th grade or something and there's just a lot of opportunities for singing. I mean, do you think that singing and kind of gets you more in touch with yourself on a deeper level i mean i guess that's sort of i don't know a broad question but yeah well it 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 sort of comes from a different place i mean i uh i i sometimes am um somebody will say what's that song you're singing and i go what I mean, I don't. E- I basically, I'm walking around singing a song, and I don't even know I'm oh, singing a song. Oh, just so natural. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's 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 not. I'm not even aware it's coming out, but mm-hmm. but it is. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a different. Uh, you know, I you can probably you could probably do an EK, uh, uh, EKG. EKG is it or, EKG? I don't know if that's what's what the, it is. <laughs> no, the e, electrocardiogram? Not no, the cardio, that's for the, the heart. What's the one for your head? What's yeah, the one? Uh, I e, can't think of it either. It's something. Yeah. Well, anyway, when they do like a brain scan or something, mm-hmm. I think you'd find that your your brain is in a different place when you're doing yeah. music. And what you said about Glenn Campbell, I know that's true of a lot of people who have lost with loss of memory that when they listen to music, they come alive, you know, if and they just start moving to the music or singing along to it. So it right. seems to be hardwired in a different I way. Think, I think it is. From everything yeah. else. Yeah. So um, I, I want to ask you a little more about the puppeteering because I watched the behind the scenes video yeah. on your website about yeah. your, um, and I saw that that cool tent like structure you, you use for the puppet shows. Right. And I was wondering, was that something you designed yourself? Yes. Yeah. And uh, is this where I get to say the name of the website too? Oh, um, yeah. Go ahead. We'll <laughs> do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. TomKnight.com. Um, this is, um, so yeah, I, I designed the tent. I, I went to a, um, I did a show once. I had a diff- I've I've used many different puppet stages, or I've created, uh, built many different puppet stages at this time in my life. Um, and at that time, I was working with one that was made of PVC pipes. Mm-hmm. And somebody came up at, and this was a actually a dancer, a very creative person, and and he said, "Have you ever thought about making a puppet stage out of a tent?" And it's like, hmm, I hadn't. You know, I, it was like, wow. And so it was his idea. And uh, so then. It took me like a couple of years before I was able to do it, but I went to a. Uh, this was when I was living in Ithaca, New York, and there was a tent store called Eureka Tent Store right in, in Binghamton, New York, and they they had these sales of like seconds and things. So I went and I bought some old tents and cut them up and made the poles and and designed it. And the very first one I made <laughs> didn't work; it fell apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I had to go back and do do another one. So you bought a regular tent and you somehow I've, had to convert it. I bought two, I bought two or maybe even three old 
used tents. Yeah, and I cut them up and and I so I the of the original tent just the kind of the floor remained and then I bought some new fabric to kind of create this side. But um the beauty of that uh stage is that it it travels really well because the the other ones would took up quite a bit of space in my car. So this one it really is the size of a tent when it's when it's folded up. Um mm-hmm. And uh, but then I discovered I needed um, it wasn't very stable, mm-hmm. um, so I, I had to uh, bring some uh, fifteen pound weights um, and tie. Oh, tie so it that down. kind of defeats some of the purpose <laughs> of the lightweight tent. Well, it it still travels well in my car, but um, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah. And just so our listeners can picture it, it's kind of like it's like a little puppet show theater. Um, how would you describe? Well, I yeah. call it a, I call it a puppet stage, but puppet it's, stage. Uh, you okay. know, it's kind of like a it's almost like a tent turned on its side with an opening mm-hmm. and at the, the top, so I can put my arms mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to weight that down, otherwise it could flop over. Otherwise, it's going to fall over. Yeah, yeah. And do you make all your own puppets? I do. Yeah, and um, that's been a fun process. I mean, I I make my puppets because I I like. I like having something that's you know unique. I could I could buy I could buy some, but I mean, partly I, I like how it looks, but also it's like I I have to build puppets that work for what I for the particular purpose that I that I need them to, mm-hmm. you know. And so, for instance, I have an elephant that that squirts water actually. <laughs> so that's not something you can buy that I not that I know of. Um, so I had to I had to build that and figure out how to that design it. That sounds fun. Yeah. So it squirts water out at the audience. Yes, uh-huh. that's a bit of a spoiler, but uh, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I spoiled it. Um, uh-huh. But yes, um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And um, so I know that you have puppet shows that deal with um, social issues, like you know, environmentalism, yeah. and recycling. Yes. Have you ever created a show that dealt with bullying? Because it seems like such an important thing to address. You know, the Trump you, era. You know, I I worked with another puppeteer um, named Amy Don Cotel um, a few years ago, and we actually designed a show that that really was about bullying. Uh, we did that for a while, um, but then she had a baby, and mm-hmm. then we kind of went our separate ways. But um, yeah, we have worked on that theme, and in fact, I'm working on a a, a new puppet skit right now. Um, that's not specifically about bullying, but it's about kind of excluding uh, ex- excluding other people, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of a similar theme. And um, and I'm excited to kind of to uh, share that new thing. Yeah, because I was thinking, um, what are the what are the other themes you've addressed? I mean, in terms of like social justice or yeah, well. Um, there's environmental yeah I, i've done a lot of stuff with environment i mean the mm-hmm. garbage monster is, right. is an environmental song mm-hmm. about recycling i've done some things about recycling and, and and um some of the things i've done about um excuse me about uh and then also about science mm-hmm. um like with the solar system and oh yeah a song about the water cycle and right um so the so, a big focus is on education and right well some uh yeah, I'd say so. I mean, because I'd end up doing a lot of uh, shows in schools. Right. Um, so it's it's kind of easier to work in schools if I can uh, point to some things that are educational. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, I think it's it's actually very educational just to for kids to kind of see see an artist, you know, see it, see, see the, the puppets and the music by themselves that that 
I, I feel like it shouldn't necessarily have to, you know, be educational about math or science or uh-huh. social studies or whatever. That's to, true. To be, to be valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I noticed that um, sometimes when you're um, doing a puppet show, at least in one of the videos I saw, you, you yourself are present on the, like with the puppets. Right. Well, yeah. I kind of alternate between um, being behind the scrim, the black scrim, and just the puppets are visible, and then I, I part the scrim, the curtain, mm-hmm. and then I'm visible, and I'm kind of participating more, kind of become a little bit more of a character. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, and the, the, new, the new show I'm designing is going to be kind of very simple, um, a very simple, um, uh, like, table-like structure for the puppets to be on, and, and then I'm going to be visible. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's kind of, it takes a while to set up a, a stage to actually hide a person. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, that's interesting what you said about how, you know, kids are getting something just by seeing you do what you're doing. And I wonder if some of them are impressed, you know, well, I mean, I guess some of them are very young. I don't right. know up to what ages, but yeah. I wonder if some of them are thinking, that's what I want to do, you know? I, uh, I don't want to have just sit behind a desk or something when I grow up. I want to sing with a solar system rotating on my head. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no, I think it's... um I think that that does happen, actually, that, you know, somebody will say, that's really cool. I want to do that. Mm-hmm. That does happen from time to time. But I think it's uh, it can be inspiring for kids just to see it's like, oh, there's somebody this is somebody's job. You know, this is a possible job. Right. You know, and then there's also the aspect of, you know, kids are used to seeing stuff at the movies or, or on TV, but they're they're not necessarily used to seeing um, live live theater mm-hmm. and um, oh, that's true so that's i think there's just something a benefit in that that and just the idea that there's a person who who, who made this you know mm-hmm. and and like well maybe i could make something too yeah i also think that maybe some of them are are excited just to see a grown-up doing something that's sort of playful and yeah. fun and yeah. that meets their world because i know there yeah. are some adults will do that but a lot of adults won't, you know, maybe they, they you know, some yeah. kids don't have that relationship with adults. Well, th- that's interesting, too, because um, sometimes I, I do a lot of school shows and sometimes there's a little bit of a conflict between kind of what the teachers are telling the kids and what I'm kind of showing the kids because the teachers are kind of the kids are kind of brought in and there there's this whole lecture that happens before the show starts it's like okay kids now you need to sit still be quiet <laughs> you know don't oh and you want them to get up and move and i i sing do and shout right uh, exactly exactly mm-hmm. um but it's like okay be a good audience um which of course i want them to be a good audience but i also really want them to sing and participate and and move because you know it's hard to sit on the floor for 45 minutes and not you know and and be quiet and pay attention, you know. And I'm, it wouldn't be as fun for you, probably, as a performer. That's for sure. Yeah. Now, my show. I mean, for kids from the very beginning, I learned that um, the show goes much better if if there's parts for the kids to do, including moving, or getting up and moving around, because um, it's just a lot to ask a kid to to sit still for that long. And yeah, yeah. And and that's not necessarily even psychologically or uh, emo- that's not really where they are in terms of their development they need to move it's healthy for them to move you know what you i don't really want to sit still for 45 minutes <laughs> yeah 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 
And so um, let's see. Well, you've been listening to Under the Surface. I want to remind you, and I'm Amy Landau. I've been talking to Tom Knight, a musician, puppeteer, and videographer based here in Northampton. Tom, before we wrap up and leave our listeners with another of your songs, um, can you tell them how they can find out more about you and your work? And what's your, you tell us again your website address, and do you have any upcoming performances we should know about? Yeah, uh, the website is TomKnight.com, and that's T-O-M-K-N-I-G-H-T.com. And I'm also on Facebook. Um, and I, you know what? My next performance might be at First Night, um, oh. my next, lo- next local Northampton performance. Uh-huh. I think that's like 2.30 and 3.30 in the afternoon, so mm-hmm. it's kind of early in the day mm-hmm. at the Unitarian uh, Church. Okay, um, so we're gonna have to wait. You're gonna have that. to wait. Yeah, <laughs> I, actually, I think I usually do some. I usually do a performance in October at Look Park for uh, the Pumpkin Festival, um, but that hasn't been scheduled yet. So mm-hmm. look for early October at Look Park. But I'm sure if it's if people just like your Facebook page or your, they can hear if there's some kind of new performance that you yeah end up a, doing. There's a calendar with your on band, right? Yeah. yeah, there's a calendar on my web page too, which um, I try to keep up to date. So that's Mm -hmm. another way to find out where I'll be. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on today's show. It's been a pleasure having you here. Well, thank you so much, Amy. It's been great. And thanks for listening, everybody. Please tune in again next Sunday at 12 noon. And if you're curious to hear some of my past past shows, you can check them out on Facebook at Under the Surface Radio Program. And now I'm going to leave you with one last song by Tom Knight. This one comes from one of his puppet shows. It's called The Elephant's Lullaby. He referred to it, I think, before. And I have to say, it's an incredibly catchy and contagious song. So have a great week, everybody.
plate is tired and hungry don't hesitate just give them some peanuts so they won't cry and then sing the elephant's lullaby it goes go to sleep little elephant go to sleep 